2: Baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. What quarterback did you idolize growing up? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's that's. I feel like it's kind of standard. I, 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 I've always said your, your favorite quarterback's favorite quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, now it's gonna another few years, it's gonna be Patrick Mahomes, right? But I, I mean, yeah. What, what was it about him that you were like? His ability to throw from any
1: platform, Right. whether he was in pocket, out of pocket, being able to place the ball exactly where he wants. Uh, a few of the Hail Marys were pretty cool. Right. Um, you know, just his moxie. Yeah. Toughness, being able to throw the ball. Did you realize that this song was a, a callback to yeah. Bruno Mars's? There's a lot going on with this song. Everything that Bruno Mars says that he's going to do is what she's responding to. No, this is to her other ex. I I understand that part. I'm saying that if you listen to his song and then listen to what Miley is singing, where he's like, I'm going to bring you flowers and say I can buy myself flowers. There's been a couple of really good
2: mashups on it.
1: I'm like, look at her.
2: Right, but it's more about uh, which hem, I would have, which Hemsworth, Liam. Liam Hemsworth is the subject of he
1: he he may have been the muse but I'm saying that you need to give Miley more credit than her just writing a revenge song that she took one of the most popular songs
2: that was out and flipped it on its head. I know. I'm the one that pointed the day this thing dropped. I'm the one that said this is a special song. Yes, and we but Yuki it, that got it's just about Liam Hendrix. Uh, not Liam Hendrix. <laughs> Liam, or Liam Hendrix.
1: Your Yuki tells us it's about Liam Hendrix. And that's I'm telling fact. you that it's about more. No, that's
2: a story of it's about the former White Sox closer Liam Hendricks. He, no. She's had enough. Yeah. She, she doesn't. She All wants. Right. We can, I'm not leaving Kaylin waiting any longer for this. She's garbage. probably on my side about this. Kaylin Kayler is I on Twitter. I Honestly,
0: Kay- have no idea what you guys are talking about. Talk about oh. the Miley
2: Cyrus song, the one song of the year. I like
0: that song, but I didn't really understand the debate. But well, also, I'm operating on four hours of sleep, so that could also be why. Well,
1: Bruno Mars like did this love song where he was like, I'll buy you flowers, I'll take you dancing, and- her lyrics are like a complete. Oh,
2: right. You know, so like I don't have to do, you know, yeah. my boyfriend doesn't have to do that for me because I can do it better for myself. Correct. That's what it is. That's what. All right. Oh. Senior NFL writer for The Athletic, Kaylin Kaler, is with us on the score hotline that is presented by Circa Resort and Casino, Vegas.com twitch.tv slash Chicago 670. The score. Why aren't you getting any sleep? Are you out running around with John Fox?
0: <clears throat> well, I will tell you what I did last night, but I'm going to keep the people anonymous in case they care. But I was karaoke into the wee hours with two offensive coordinators and an assistant general manager. So that you guys is what happens at the NFL scouting combine.
1: What's your go-to song?
0: So my go-to song is Jolene. Um, So I did Jolene, but then I also did, um, you know, burn by Usher and then, I did request "Born to Run," and that was a mistake because there's a. I didn't realize how many long, multi-syllable words are in that. And aside from the chorus, it's an extremely hard song to mm-hmm. sing.
1: Why? Well, I, I figure you being around a bunch of middle-aged sports yes. writers that that song would would hit with everyone, and they'd be singing along instead of you having to yes. sing for them.
0: It did, and like I mean, we were all nobody could sing anything except the chorus. Though you know, we were all like, "Oh my god, this is." This is way more than we thought it would be, uh, but it was great. It was really fun. Are you? And now? I did request. Oh, sorry. After are, that, I requested "Shots" by LMFAO because there's like one
2: word to that song. That's perfect. No, but "Born to Run" is hard, especially like that mother beyond so the palace, heavy power yes. drones. That whole yes. part, yeah. Good luck. It's so
1: hard. So, Caitlin, so are you hard. now in charge of the, the the Peter King bash at the
0: combine? Yes, yes. Actually, um, well, I don't know if anyone listening to this, you're probably not in Indianapolis if you're listening to this, but maybe you are. You're listening online. Um, We have an event tonight. He he, uh, passed down his fundraiser to me. He would do a fundraiser every year. It was like a draft Q&A with reporters about the combine, um, about the NFL draft. So that's happening tonight at Sun King Brewing. Peter's not here, so I am in charge. I will be asking my best draft questions to Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated um, you know, I think we've got like seven or eight reporters on the panel. I tried to get Pat Finley, our guy, Pat Finley will be there. Um, cause I wanted to get a bears person and I have a commander's reporter and then I have a Patriots reporter. So maybe we'll do a little mock draft of the quarterbacks and see how it shakes out among them. But yeah, that's tonight and there's tickets online. I've tweeted it. So if you go to my Twitter at and Taylor, if you're interested in coming, beneficiary is a nonprofit called million meal movement. It's a uh, local food bank that provides shelf stable food. And meals to people
1: in the Indiana area. Well, I can't think of a, a better person to be taking, t- having the, the torch passed to than you on this. So that's Thank great. It's great. Yeah, all right. it'll so, be fun. So beyond all of the, the shenanigans that are going on down in Indianapolis, <laughs> yeah. well what what's been the most interesting? I've seen some of your reports from there. Like Caleb Williams spoke today. Well what's yeah. what's at top of your notepad?
0: Yeah, so um, I would say there's still a lot brewing, uh, when it comes to Caleb Williams, I think he's a really interesting topic. I wrote about it earlier this week. Um, I basically was inspired to start, I've been working on something on him for several months because once it looked like the bears were going to shake out with the number one pick, honestly, which was like mid season when the Panthers were so bad. Um, I really started looking into Caleb and the team around him and his relationship with his dad, because his dad is very much his business manager and his dad if you guys remember, had told GQ in September that if they didn't like the situation, they could go back to school. And he had criticized the draft structure in that interview with GQ because he thinks it's unfair that, you know, the worst teams pick first and get the best players and there's no say. Because this is a guy, Carl Williams has been very instrumental in Caleb's career, his football career. And he has been planning Caleb's career every step of the way. And they've gotten to choose. They've always had the element of choice. They chose Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. Then they chose to transfer to USC when Lincoln got the USC job. So now they're in a situation where there's no element of choice. They are just going to be assigned the, the pro team, essentially. And there are things you can do. Obviously, we saw Eli Manning and John Elway make moves. Um, so it's not like they're going to be forced to play for whoever drafts them, but there's much less choice in this situation than Carl and Caleb have ever faced. And so I started paying attention to this in the fall because I was like, this could be really interesting how this shakes out. And I think popular opinion is that when – Carl said that to GQ, he was probably referencing the Arizona Cardinals, who at the time he said that over the summer and early in the season came out in September. You know, that was the team that we all think would the worst in the NFL would likely end up with the number one pick. Now, obviously it didn't turn out that way. And Caleb actually today at the podium said, you know, it's not often that the team with the first pick went seven and 10. Um, So that's, that's, I guess, a positive for the bears and bodes well. Um, but I do think there's a lot more brewing here and you know, I think, I think there's, I think his team is really interesting and I tried to sort of put that in my story of like, this is the, the way that he structured the people around him is different. Um, he doesn't have an NFLPA certified agent. So if there were moves that they wanted to make, it's going to be more difficult without an NFLPA certified representative. Um, I think that's just a fact. Uh, that th- those moves get more difficult. And so, you know, one thing I had in my piece that I really wanted to come through is that, and Caleb said this today, He Pat Finley um, asked him, you know, why did you feel the need to talk to ESPN and, you know, shut down the rumors that you didn't want to play in Chicago? And his answer was basically that he felt there were all these narratives going on and he doesn't talk that often. He doesn't talk to the media often. He said he wanted to have people hear it from him. And in my story, I had a source close to USC tell me that if you don't hear it from Caleb, then it's not true. Like, you know, Carl doesn't speak for Caleb. They are different people. So that I think is very important to keep track of here that like things that Carl has said in the past don't necessarily reflect how Caleb feels.
1: Caitlin, how likely do you think it is that we could see Caleb Williams challenge the system a little bit more. Like that's how it's been kind of sent to me by people in the know that he he's a disruptor and that he might want to yeah. challenge this system. Are you hearing the same things?
0: Yeah, so that's where it's like so two things. One, he without even having played in the NFL yet, he's already disrupting the system and there's two pieces of evidence to that. One is that NFL owners in July voted to prohibit any non-family members from taking own equity in teams, so that is that basically means that players cannot receive equity in the teams that they play for, um, and that is and not just Caleb who influenced that, but Aaron Rodgers influenced that, and I'm sure Tom Brady was also part of that as well. But I do think that there was a re- there was a report over the summer that somebody from Caleb's camp had been having conversations with potential agents about Caleb getting equity in the team that drafts him, and through my reporting, I found out that, that person was Carl, his dad, who was having those conversations with agents so without even having played in the nfl um, owners are already putting up their defenses to that and then at the super bowl i asked the nfl pa executive director lloyd howell who is new in the role i asked him how he feels about players um not being able to get equity and whether they should and he you know would give a long answer where he was saying he's been having a lot of conversations with owners when he went on his tour of the nfl this past season meeting with owners for the first time he would bring up the idea of equity, and he was pitching it actually as players getting equity in the league instead of individual clubs. And he said that owners were much more receptive to that concept than giving out stakes of their own franchises. So, without even and that was you know that was definitely motivated by this this decision over the summer, which Caleb influenced or or Carl, Caleb or Carl or both, however you want to word it. So, without even entering the NFL yet, he's already there's already been a change in the way. The NFLPA is talking about player compensation and the way that owners might be thinking about it. So I would say there's a lot of potential for him to keep changing things along those lines. And if you just take to the fact that he is, you know, it's impossible to prove this because we'll never be able to know how much money every college player has made in endorsements now, because um, these things are obviously kind of impossible to find out unless you made the money yourself. Um He's definitely probably the richest college football player to ever enter professional football. He's coming at this, He's entering the NFL, having been a business for like three years and a brand for three years and, and a big one at that he's in Dr. Pepper commercials, Wendy's Nissan, you name it. He won the Heisman. Like he, he comes into the NFL at a different level of celebrity and, and power, honestly, than we have seen. So, yeah, I do think he could be capable of doing a lot more. And even this week, you know, people are up in you know turmoil because he's not doing the medical testing, which I think is a great decision for him because those are long, it's a long day of testing. You meet with multiple team doctors and you get the same thing over and over. You know, there's 32 team doctors looking at your elbow. Um, and I think it's smart for him to say, you know what, why do I have to do this? As he said at the podium today not all 32 teams are going to be able to draft him so why should all 32 have his information now the devil's advocate argument to that is that i do think some teams are a little bit peeved on that because you could say okay why do the kansas city chiefs need his medical information well right now they they don't but what if patrick Mahomes suffers a catastrophic injury um at some point even if it was next season you the chiefs would wish they had uh Caleb's medical information next season because what if they want to trade for him or what you know there are so many hypothetical situations where participating in the medical testing so that every team has your information will help your career in the long run unless you are trying to hide an injury or cover up an injury which I have no reason to think that he is but by declining the medical testing, that is kind of the question that you're putting into team's mind. So that's another example right there just this week of something small that he is doing differently than anyone ever has.
2: Help me understand something that I don't. We know that he does not have a, an accredited, registered yeah. NFL agent. He has his own team of people doing various jobs. Yeah, Is it mutually exclusive? Why not also have an agent? Why not simply, whether nominally or otherwise, does it have to do with a committed percentage? Is this a financial decision? Or is this part of just saying, I'm not going to do this with with an establishment guy who's going to be more likely with his other connections and other relationships to do typical establishment business?
0: I think it's two things. One, it's the fact that Carl and... The advisors around Caleb have extensively interviewed agents over the last year or so, um, very extensively. And Carl challenged them and said, hey, look at the CBA. What can you do for me? Because the CBA is very ironclad in how rookies can make money. Mm-hmm. And it is very restrictive. So, you know, you have your four-year contract. They can have a fifth-year option. After that, you can get franchise tag for three years. And the the more you get franchise tag, the closer it is reflecting market value. But you know, the the reality is it feels like it's below market value. So if, if you're looking at it that way, you could be at a below market value deal for eight years, which is kind of wild. So it doesn't benefit the rookies at all. And this was a change to the CBA a while ago, and it's it's in the CBA. So You would have to file, you'd have to go through a process to get this changed. So Carl wanted an agent who could say, oh, I have an idea. Here's what we could do to get around this. But even within the CBA, it is very restrictive with what you are able to pay a player outside of the playing contract. You can pay them like for five marketing appearances. And I think each marketing appearance, you can get $9,000, somewhere around that. It is minimal, minimal money that we're talking here for marketing appearances by a team. Um, for a player, so that was part of it. None of the agents could satisfy him with anything that they would be able to do for his son in that first contract. Now, when it comes to the second contract, I wouldn't be surprised if they did hire an NFLPA certified agent for the second one because there you have wiggle room. There you can actually have a negotiation and, you know, get get things done hmm. that you can't so much in a rookie contract. So, and then the second part, Dan, what you said is that if you hire an NFLPA certified agent, you are agreeing essentially to operate within those rules because this person is certified by the NFLPA to be a contract negotiator so I do think that's part of it is that maybe they see themselves as apart from the rest of the players Union and I don't know I I I don't know the level of involvement the NFLPA has had with Caleb or his people. I did ask Lloyd at the Super Bowl if he had talked to Caleb and he said no. But I do think um, there will be some conversations there between the two camps. And so I don't know that Caleb is going to be apart from the union. I mean, that would be that would be a That would be a choice, right? Like, I don't (laughs) know if he's gonna be apart from the union. I think I think maybe if the union is smart, if Lloyd Howell, this new executive director, which I think he's he's impressed me so far. So If he's on it, I think you would see Caleb and you would say, oh, this is a player that maybe we can use to change some things that we don't like. And he has real power and he might be the one to actually force these things. And that is why I, that's something I tried to get at in the story that I wrote this week is like, oh, you know, he has already changed things, as I mentioned. And like, there's a lot of potential with Caleb to improve things for players. So I think it would be smart for the PA to, like, work with him and, like, try to get with him. But I do think, Dan, what you said is, like, that's part of It's, like, they don't want someone who's establishment for that reason.
1: What is What have you heard about the likely destinations for Justin Fields?
0: Yeah, I haven't heard anything concrete. I think a lot of people think Atlanta, but I'm not sure if that's – you know, I don't know that that's based on any real – Certainly, for me, it's not based on any real information of like, oh, I heard from a team here. It's not that. It's just like that makes sense to me. Although, also, it doesn't because it's like, if you're a new staff, I, I would almost rather have Kirk Cousins, who I know exactly who Kirk Cousins is, and it's gonna make sure, I, like, I don't think I'm getting fired if I um sign Kirk Cousins, right? If I trade for Justin Fields, there is still an element of a little bit of unknown of like how that's gonna affect your job. So. With a new staff, I almost think Atlanta might be more likely to go someone like Kirk Cousins, who's more established. So that's a good question. But I actually don't – I don't have any real information to come back with on that, unfortunately.
2: Uh, we will let you rest your voice. If, For sure. If, if not rest entirely before there are <laughs> other responsibilities. so bad. Responsibilities. No, it's fine. Yeah, it sounds good. It's <laughs> fine. Glad you had fun last night. That's the way you build relationships.
0: Yeah,
3: that is. Yeah, and I will say there was
2: some information
0: learned about Caleb at karaoke last night. So
2: well, I would hope. I would hope there was a little something. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll learn it later. Kaylin, thank you. Thanks so much. That's Kaylin Kaylor, senior NFL writer for the Athletic. Next up, let's talk about the decision that Caitlin Clark made to be the number one overall pick in her own right. For the WNBA, it looks like the Indiana Fever are going to be the recipient of all of that star power. And she's going to stay rich. <laughs> she's not going to get any less rich, I don't think. Although some of that math, people did sort of uh, screw around with some of those numbers there. But I think she's making the
3: right There's answer. also this thing called endorsements.
2: Yeah. That can, you can do more on your own and yeah. above board as, an, as a professional.
3: That's wild. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if people know about this, but professional athletes have been doing this for a long
2: time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So Annie Costabile, Sun-Times writer covering the Sky, WNBA, Bulls, and Red Stars is going to join us next to talk about that on The Score.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station, 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 Station.
3: Here
1: comes Clark. How will she go for history? Damn! <laughs> In women's college
2: basketball. A great call of a great shot. And now she will take her talents to Indianapolis. More than likely. Well, unless there's a trade of the generational pick, like you're talking
1: about. Maybe Mike Dick is going to be right, running Coach, a WNBA what team. What are we talking about here? Maybe right? the
2: Chicago Sky. This is what they've been getting rid of all that payroll for so they could. Can- Make a run. All right, here to be smarter as we talk about it than we are is Annie Costable, sometimes... Someone who's smarter than us. ...writer covering the sky, (laughs) WNBA Bulls, and Red Stars. Make sure you check out twitch.tv slash Chicago670. The score, she's on the Circa Sports, Illinois hotline. Download the Circa Sports app today. How big is this news, Annie?
4: Wow, guys, first of all, that made me laugh, hearing you guys both give me that intro there, but... um. It's huge. I mean, like you said, Caitlin's a generational talent. And more than that, she she brings the attention of the nation with her to the WNBA. Last year, the Indiana Fever averaged just over 4,000 fans a game. And we obviously know, based on the Caitlin Clark show that has um, paraded across the country, that she has a lot more eyes on her than just 4,000 fans. So, so it's huge from um, a multitude of, for a multitude of reasons.
1: Annie, I want to go back a little bit. There's been a lot of discussion from you know, former players. Cheryl Swoops is, has jumped in into the conversation about what Caitlin Clark is, what Angel Reese is. I, I'm curious, in, in, in following all of this and following the league as closely as you do, do you think that there's any resentment towards what Caitlin Clark has been able to accomplish in in the, the, the new world of NIL that a lot of other players would have probably benefited from?
4: Yeah, that's such a good question. And I don't think it's any direct resentment towards like Angel or Caitlin in particular. I think it's just general resentment for the fact that a lot of these players know that they would have benefited in similar ways to these players. It's also like the attention that Caitlin and angel are getting um, because of, of NIL. A lot of these other players know that they would have gotten it as well. I mean, one in particular I'm thinking about who just resigned with the Chicago sky is diamond to shields. I mean, she's an attention grabber from her style to her personality, like everything about her, is is screams a player that that would have benefited from NIL um at the collegiate level. And so again, it's not like direct resentment towards any player in particular, it's just the system in general and them knowing that they also would have benefited from it.
1: How do you think her game is going to translate to the W? caitlin's Yeah.
4: Um listen, I think that she's going to get rocked a little bit, you know, like players are excited Uh, to go up against her I mean anytime there's a big rookie uh, coming to town or or coming to the league like the vets want to shut them down that's 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 what they want to do they want to prove like this is not going to be easy for you so she's definitely going to have her work cut out for her but I think the thing about her game that's going to translate well is obviously the way that she forces defenders to come out and, and defend her from 25 feet, you know, that's obviously going to space the floor for her teammates. And then also her passing game. I mean, it's hugely underrated because of what she's done scoring. But when she has teammates around her that are going to be able to anticipate these passes we've seen her make that that sometimes at the collegiate level, um, you know, have slipped by the hands of her teammates, there, those are gonna be assists. Her assists record numbers are are gonna go up because of the talent that she's playing around. So she's definitely going to translate well. Is it going to be immediate? I think that remains to be seen. And obviously, because of the talent that exists at the WNBA level, I think, I think she's she's gonna get shut down early a little bit.
2: I also wonder, too, what the vets are gonna be thinking regarding an obvious understanding of her value for the game that she mm-hmm. matters. She she's huge for them. She might make everybody more money. There could be a Tiger Woods-like effect where everybody, the, the, the rising tide that lifts all ships. On the other hand, these are proud professional athletes who are going to be like, okay, all right, college kid, all right, shoot it from anywhere. Try shooting it while I punch you in the neck. You know, <laughs> there's there, there's some of that going on. This is professional basketball.
4: Yeah, I think back to, um, you know, when, when Larry Bird you know got into the nba and how players were like so eager to shut him down um magic johnson i mean people wanted to knock them on their ass um and so i think that's the competitive Aspect of it, and I think that's what's going to be really exciting for fans is is knowing that these are professionals and they are competitive and they are going to want to send a message to Caitlin, to Angel, to all these other players that again this class has been hyped so much. I mean, we know Paige is staying in college, but still, there's an expectation that a number of other players could follow suit um, behind Caitlin in, in terms of declaring for the draft. So you're absolutely right. I mean, these are pros. They don't want to get showed up by some rookie that, that just broke the NCAA scoring record. They want to send a message. To that same point, though, there's so much respect um, from the professionals at the W level because they, and, and they've already displayed it, like whether on social media or wherever else in discussions and stories that are, are going on across the country, like these players are excited about what Angel, what Caitlin, what a number of other players are doing. And we saw that. Um, in response to Caitlin declaring yesterday for the WNBA draft.
1: What did you think of, of the mania surrounding her? Did you end up like maybe going to the Northwestern game? Like, have you covered any of the Caitlin Clark games?
4: Yeah, I've covered two so far, one in Iowa city and um, the game at Northwestern. And it, it was honestly shocking. I mean, I think, from my standpoint, covering the W and, and obviously we're not covering it, um, in games here and there, I'm at every Chicago sky game home and away. And it's, it was surprising, not because of her talent, but just the way that fans truly have become obsessed with her. Um, I've never seen that before. I haven't seen that. Um, at the professional level at all. I mean, the only person I can compare it to is Candace Parker. Mm-hmm. And she obviously warrants that attention um, to a degree. And, and she certainly warranted that attention at the collegiate level. I mean, po- people talked about the way that fans would line up um, for her games. And obviously Diana Taurasi is another player. Super, like there, there were players before Caitlin. I personally just haven't witnessed it other than the way that fans showed up for Candace Parker during the 2021 Chicago Sky season and 2022. Um, But even that was not to the extent that we we see fans showing up for Caitlin Clark. So it's definitely it's definitely shocking.
2: The parallels with Caleb Williams are they're facile, but they're also interesting in that we know that Caleb Williams wants the stardom. As much as the greatness, and sometimes people confuse stardom with greatness. And Caleb Williams is—he's never played any professional down, and he's wrapping himself in this, this this highfalutin language of "I like to make history and rewrite history." And we know that he's worked on his acting chops, that he's you know, being out in Southern California. has I mean, is, so
1: is Caitlin. I mean, you see her in, in the State Farm this commercials. Is, this and, is what
2: I wonder is because yeah. much of her income is going to be a higher percentage of her income that's going to come from outside stuff. That working on her game is going to be just part of it. Is she really ready to want to be a a, a marketing star?
4: Okay. I love this question because I want to go back to last summer, right? Or, or actually, last spring, after the championship game, nobody heard from Caitlin. Nobody saw her. She was like a ghost. It's like she disappeared. And across the country, we're seeing players again take advantage of of those NIL deals, and they were popping up all over and 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 really out here um as they should be you know as they should be but from caitlin we saw very little and i think it spoke to obviously that competitive nature um professional athletes you know you lose at the ultimate level and and it sends you it sends you down it knocks you down a level and some people respond by again going quiet um attacking their game changing their game doing whatever work they have to do to get back to that level others um, you know, have have different means to to get back to um, the status quo, whatever it is, right? But Caitlin went dark. And so I think that speaks to her commitment to the game first. And obviously her game is what has led to all these lucrative marketing options for her. So um, you know, I definitely think that that she knows that's that's important. Um, but ultimately it's her game that I, I've seen get the most attention from her. And I think that'll be interesting to watch over the next year.
1: Annie, what did you think about what happened during all-star weekend with, with Sabrina and Steph? Was it only good for Sabrina or was it good for women's basketball?
4: no i i wouldn't even leave it there of like only good for sabrina or women's basketball i would say it was good for basketball in general because you guys know like the comparisons that happen with the women's game and the men's game always brings about this nastiness from the public right it's like women can't do this get back to the kitchen whatever like lame comments want to be made get made right but sabrina showed and and steph showed how the game is the game, regardless of who's playing it, right? Because look at what Sabrina did. Sure, she lost to to Steph, um, but her numbers would have had her competing against what, Dame um, in the NBA three-point contest. So it's like, that was a moment that showed the game is just the game, regardless of who's playing it. And we know the women's game is different than the men's, but it doesn't mean it's less valuable. So I don't even think that was a moment that proved or that showed it was good for Sabrina and the W it was good for basketball in
1: general. All right. Now I got to ask you about the other team, the other pro basketball team that you cover the bulls. (laughs) Um, Who Exactly. It just feels like night in and night out. Like you, you have the Detroit game and then you see them play the way that they played against Cleveland. And it just feels like it's, They are that like, that's why their record is what, what it is. What did you think of the bulls deciding to stand pat at the trade deadline? And, and what hope is there if you're a bulls fan?
4: I mean, listen, I'm so far removed from being a bulls fan that I can't even really offer up any like comforting comment or thought on it. I think if you're a bulls fan, there's little to be hopeful about right now um you know my colleague the amazing joe Cowley, does such a wonderful job covering this team I've, i've taken so much from the way that he's covered this team and and to summarize you know what he's written and what he says which i agree with is just that the bulls lack of movement was not a shock at the trade deadline anybody that's that's been around this team that covers this team that even follows this team and has their rose colored glasses off knew that, that, that was likely going to happen. And I think when you look at, at, you know, their loss to the Pistons and then their overtime win against the Cavs, I mean, even to go back for the entire month of February, the back and forth, the up and down summarizes what this team is and what it has been and what also has, um, empowered the front office to not really do much. There, the the Jerry Reinsdorf machine is working as expected, as as they wanted to. They're competitive, they're entertaining, um, and that's enough. That's been enough for them. Uh, as long as they keep fans in the seats, nothing's going to change because there's no reason that it has to. Uh, this this is working as again uh, Jerry Reinsdorf wants it to.
2: I'm part of the problem. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I I, I agree. I'm but part of the problem. Why are you part of the
1: problem, Dan? Because I
2: have to compartmentalize the larger picture. It's why we have the no doom spiraling rule on the organization's win championships podcast. Because the moment you get out of the here and now, you're miserable. Because you realize you're in NBA hell. But as long as you're in NBA hell, you can still enjoy a lovely night of dinner theater, which is what it is. It, yeah. It's it's a big ticket. But it's an unbelievable entertainment product it, you know from the moment you you walk in early and watch everything that's going on there, what the the show that they put on just even before the basketball game starts and, and everything that happens here for kids or for it's it's hard to beat, and then when they do have enough of these exciting thrilling wins, like, wow, that was fun. What did it mean? Probably nothing, but you, and, you know I've got this this cognitive dissonance. I I want them to win a title. I want to do everything they can do to win a championship. And this ain't it.
4: No. I think about this moment I had this offseason. I was in France, and the number of people I saw in Bulls gear was really remarkable. And these weren't like, you know, people like myself visiting from Chicago. These were like locals in, in Bulls gear. I was in Bordeaux, France. And it made me think about, you know, the 90s Bulls and what they did to to put the franchise in this position that it's in now where they can just skate by because they are globally beloved. And it's it's all because of what happened decades ago. So that competitive spirit, that, that edge, that to win a championship, it has to start at the top. And as we've seen, it's just not there for the Bulls.
2: Tell me you did a wine tour, please. At least went to some chateaus,
4: I didn't need to do a wine tour to drink all the wine that I did. I, I was touring. Uh, I, I did, I guess, a bar wine tour. I was I was happily um, drunk on wine everywhere I went without even doing a wine tour. Okay.
2: Well, good. Least it's all about the results then. That's yeah. what I'm
4: talking
1: about. Annie, thanks so much for joining us. We truly appreciate it. I'll see you soon.
4: Yeah, I'll see you guys soon. Thanks so much.
2: That's Annie Costable, Sun-Times writer who covers the Sky, WNBA Bulls. you, not going your and the Red your dumbass wine
1: tours. It doesn't need wine. She's one. being bought wine. She is the
2: wine tour. Damn right. <laughs> Spring training action for the Cubs continues today against the White Sox. Coverage begins at 155 right here on 670. The score, Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer on the call for the latest news on the Cubs or Sox. Try listening to chapters from our show through the Odyssey app. Each topic we cover is broken out, so you can find what matters most to you. To get started, download the Odyssey app, search for 670 The Score, and tap on a recent episode of our show. Wait, I thought the the battle for the Cactus League was won last week by the Cubs. I don't know. The battle is ongoing. It's engaged. That's right, man. The battle continues. This is battle part two for Cactus League.
1: Have we even looked, you didn't even look at the lineups. Give me the lineups uh, for today's yeah, game. Seriously? Well, now maybe they, I mean you're a weekend now. Maybe the lineup, the White Sox lineup is a little more representative of the team that they're going to put uh, on the field at the beginning uh, of the season. Well, Dan's got
3: Dan, the A teams on the squad
2: on the call today, too. Pat Hughes, Ron Coomer, both Yeah, there. All right, here's the White Sox. Lineup. Let's go.
3: Dan's guy is
1: on the mound. I know that.
2: Michael Kopeck is on the mound. Kevin Pillar leads off in right field, batting second. The shortstop Paul DeYoung, batting third. The first baseman Andrew Vaughn. I am Cornholio. <laughs> the designated hitter Eloy Jimenez. See, this is a real lineup now. In left field, Pey- Peyton Burdick. Okay, so maybe not in left. At third base, Mike Mustakis. He's on the. T- he is on this team
1: for this year. The
2: catcher is Corey Lee. He was their catcher at the end of last year. Batting eighth in center field, Dominic Fletcher. Okay. Who? It's fine. And your second baseman, Nicky
1: Lopez. Obviously. From Naperville. I Mm -hmm. have not heard that. Wow. What? I don't like our team. No, no one does. Uh, How about the Cubs? The Cubs lineup? Oh, you're going to love the Cubs lineup today. Am I playing for the Cubs? Do I need to get on out to... To Mesa, or are they, are they a camelback back today? Need you on the court of dreams. Leading off at second base. No one needs me there, Ray. Nick Madrigal. Oh, at, yeah. at second base, you say, hey, place
2: he's not going to play. Batting second, the right fielder, Seya Suzuki.
1: I like him. Hell a lot. yeah.
2: Good player. At first base, batting third, Michael Bush. I've got questions. A lot of them. Your cleanup hitter and doing the catching, Jan Gomes. Hell yeah. The shortstop, and batting fifth, Miles Mastroboni. Uh-oh. Yeah. And at third base, batting sixth, Matt Shaw. Who everyone, no Christopher? Whoever everyone thinks
1: is going to eventually take the job at third base. The center fielder, Pete Crow Armstrong. Still got blue hair? And
2: in left field. Yep. Batting eighth, Owen Cassie. All right. That's a name. That is a name. And the designated hitter, batting ninth, David Bodie. The, the boat, boat show. The pitcher, Justin Steele.
1: Yeah, there you go. Cy Young finalist. See, it's a little bit more of a serious game than last week, Dan. <laughs> Just stop. Why? David Bodie, by the way, has, the like, his sli- has slimmed up. Like, he looks more trim. I, I didn't ask the question of Lance, and I meant to. I want to know why David Bodie's still here. He's got two years of club options left after this year. And why it failed? Didn't he hit one of the most like important home runs in Cubs history?
3: Mm-hmm. We were talking about this in the in the group chat. Was it over the weekend or earlier this week? He got injured a couple times, right? Shoulder
1: injury. I think there was what else? Uh, some kind of ankle. They gave him like, like this weird contract too. Wasn't it like five years, fifteen million dollars, or
3: exactly? but there's two
1: the, the last two use here are club options. And and last year when you're sitting there going they could use some more guys. His name never came up. Right, he, he plays third, right? I that's he, what I'm saying. Never never It never came up. Well, like Nick, Nick Magical kept it, held him down, man, Nick the, Magical. They got
3: a log jam at third base. They can't have this David Bodie guy up here.
1: I know, but last year you needed help. And they were like, "Nah, we don't need help that badly." We'd rather not make the playoffs. What? It's true. Yeah. The boat show. Good for David Bodie, man. At least, you know, he, he did something to to slim up. Looks trim, looking healthy.
2: Good for him was getting that 15 mil, though. And
1: that, more importantly. Agreed. And, and set recog- yourself
2: up. And recognize Let and me it's, take this money-wise. money. What is high? They're offering me $15 million. Take it, you take moron! It now. <laughs> Smart. Take it
3: before they find out.
2: Thanks to Jim Ozarski, Joe Ostrowski, Kevin Fishbanski. That's Kalen not his name. Taylorski, and Annie Kostableski for joining us today. The Polish show. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> <laughs> to Ray Diaz, Adam Studzinski, Brandon Fryer, Connor mm. O'Donnell. Kevin Paul Lapka. Lapka.
1: Kevin Lapka's been here wearing shorts. We're like short shorts. Hey, man, he wears short shorts. It looks like he's in like a 1980s fitness competition. Damn right. He's going to win it. Cubs baseball is coming up next. Stay on social. We'll have stuff from the Court of Dreams.